0: we're starting a new series. And someone asked me the other day, so what's the new series for this month? And I said, why? And they were like, no, no. I mean, what's the new series? And I was like, yeah, why? Because I don't know if you figured it out, but why is actually the name of this series for this month. So it's a little confusing. We went back and forth for ages. Um, but gonna, Pastor Ants is gonna answer the why for you today. So if you could give him a hand, come on up, sir. Hey, let's give another hand for Portal. Then she'd say, wow, it's just song-led, MC." So I think, man, I, I think I can do that. I might song-lead next. And let's all worship. You know? Fantastic. Why? And I always say, why not? So here we are. We're launching the series, Why? And it's really exploring our vision statement for this church, Real Love Serves. I mean, why uh, real love serves, and, and when I um, I grew up in a um, in a Cook Island home, my parents immigrated. My parents, I always say that, but my mama, I was raised by my mum and my grandmother, and they were kind of like my parents, and um, and so I was bicultural growing up. I can I can be with uh, in the in the uh, Cook Island um, cultural setting, and then I can easily slip into a Kiwi cultural setting. In fact, growing up, I was quite often used. Um, to, for my mum to help to navigate some of these other things. Remember back in the old days when before you had the ATM card, you had what was called, for some of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, something called the bank book. Yeah. Yeah. Not Facebook, Aww. but bank book. So if you, have, if you wanted money, you had to fill in this little paper, and it's called the withdrawal slip, Okay. <laughs> And you fill it in how much, and then you put in your bank book. You go to the teller and you give it to them, and and they have. And then on your bank book was all the statement that you know wasn't yeah. digital. And and then they put it in the machine, and it kind of like stamped. a knew how much was left in your bank. And and so my mum will give me. I'll be this little kid going to the bank giving it to the bank teller, you know, this book, and I got money back. And I thought, I thought it was a great idea. However, I never got to keep any of that money um, back in the old days. And, uh, and also as a kid, I, I had to go to the shop to buy her smokes. Um, I, wish, I wish we had this law back then. Anybody like a kid that used to be, had to go get your mum smokes growing up? Anyway, uh, those were the days uh, growing up um, uh, as a kid. And we went along to, I, I grew up going to a Pacific Island church. And... Um, which was really relevant to my grandmother because she um, grew up in the islands. But for myself, I found it really um, not relevant to my world, and I really kind of struggled with it, I think. Because one of the reasons why is because I went to, before church started, so church started at 10, but there was, we had a program, I um, actually, church started at 10.30, we had a program before that called Sunday School. So you would go to Sunday School first, and then you would then go to church so it was like a, a kind of a double whammy. And for me, I think Sunday school is the worst name possible for a children's ministry. And I, let me expl- explain why. I, because I, I didn't like going to school in the first place. So I had to go to school Monday to Friday. Now I have to go to school on a Sunday. I was like, I just want—I only get one day off. It's, it's not fair. And, and I had this kind of negative connotation towards church. And so when, 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 I, when, I, when, I, when I grew up and I, and I became a man and I learned everything— by the age of 13, um, I left church. <laughs> I, I left church. And uh, don't get me wrong, you know, um, I, I absolutely adore my, my family church growing up. And in fact, um, it reminds me of oh, my grandmother so much. So I absolutely adore that. But for me, as a, as a young kid, as a teenager, uh, I just seemed ir- um, irrelevant. It's kind of like your own teenagers. They feel like everything you do is irrelevant, right? And that's, that's what it was. So I had this question, like, why church? Why church? Why do we go to church? And if you're looking for a subtitle um, to my message this morning, um, it is Jesus Creed, Jesus Creed, okay? And um, the reason why I'm using this as the subtitle, because I think it sounds cool, okay? So the Jesus, just put it on there, looks cool, looks cool on that screen behind me, the Jesus Creed. But have you you ever asked this question yourself, why do we go to church? What's the church for? What's the purpose of the church? Is it, you know, um, who's the church for? Is it for church people? Have you ever asked those kind of questions? And today we're going to explore why why church? Why church? And how does this relate to our vision? Real love serves. So the first time we find the word church in our Bibles, Jesus states it, and it's found in Matthew chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. If you haven't got your Bibles, that's okay. Or we'll turn on your devices and click your Bible app or whatever. If not, we've got, we're going to have the, the Bible verse on the screen for us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. So, Jesus is talking to his, his disciples. And he says to them, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. This is where we get all the Baptist people. And I'm just kidding, just keep moving. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? am. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And here it is, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of death, will not Overcome it. This is the first time the word church is mentioned in our Bibles. Jesus declares it. Jesus predicts it. In fact, you are sitting in this room right now, and you are fulfilling uh, these words that Jesus had had predicted two thousand years ago. You're fulfilling Jesus' prediction, and because Jesus predicted His church, that His church, and He will build His church. And and he will build it upon this foundation. And the foundation is Jesus himself. That Jesus himself will be the foundation. and Because he said "On on this declaration, I will build my church. That Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Savior of the world. And Jesus is the cornerstone where I will build my church. And Jesus predicted you. He saw you when he said these words. You are a fulfillment of Jesus' prediction. But when we read these, these, these words in English, we kind of miss something in here. We miss something because of our English translation. In fact, the original Greek that the book of Matthew was written in, the word church was, is, uh, the Greek word that was there is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. You need to understand something. The word church isn't, um, isn't a, a translation of Ecclesia. It's actually a substitute. It's been substituted out. It's been changed. So what is an Ecclesia? An Ecclesia is simply, is simply a gathering of people, an assembly of people called out for a specific purpose. That's what an Ecclesia is. Ecclesia is a group of people, a gathering, an assembly of people for a specific purpose. You are an Ecclesia you have been called out by Jesus. You've been called out by Him because you have a specific purpose. That is what an ecclesia is. It's living. It's moving. It's a movement. It, it doesn't stand still. It keeps going. It's not bound by location. It's not bound by buildings. But it's, it's living. It's moving. It's moving. You, you know, turn to the next person next to you and ask them, are you living? Are you living? Because if you're living, then you're part of an ecclesia. Are you made out of stone? (laughs) Don't ask if they're stone. Ask them, are you made out of stone? So if if Ecclesia is translated as a gathering, so where do we get the word church from? Where do we get this word church from? Well, around the time of Jesus, there were many people declaring themselves to be the Messiah. But they all fell and they never lasted. Okay? It never lasted. So what did Jesus... What did Jesus, the Jesus movement begin to grow? What did the Ecclesia begin to, to um, take root and begin to move and, and go stronger and stronger? And the reason being, because when you think about the, the Jesus movement, the, the Ecclesia, the church, it began to grow stronger and stronger. And it soon replaced all the, the, the Roman uh, uh, pantheon of gods. It replaced them all. It outlasted the Roman Empire. It, it outlasted all other empires that ever come since then. And, and, and the reason why is because the ecclesia, the church, were led by men and women who had seen Jesus resurrected. Because you've got to understand something. All these other people, they that, that claimed that they were the Messiah. I am the Messiah. The reason why nothing happened is because they died. When they died, that movement died with it. Jesus declared that he was the Messiah, that he is, he is the Son of God. He died on the cross. What does the Bible tell us what happened to the disciples? They scattered. They scattered why because the person who because Jesus said I will build my church and I will be the foundation. Well, the foundation is dead. And they scattered. But here's the thing: Jesus didn't day, day he didn't stay dead for even for, for three days. Okay, I chuck day back in there. He didn't just stay dead. In fact, the Bible says it will tell you that when the disciples appeared into an empty tomb. Then they believed, and Jesus appeared to, to many, many people after that, over 500 people after that, and they believed, and they believed. And, and, and so for the, for the next 300 years, the church was persecuted, and, and the more that it was persecuted, the more that it grew, because it was led by men and women who had seen Jesus resurrected. And, you, you know, you can, you, can, you can kill the body, but you can't kill the ecclesia, because we've seen the resurrected Jesus he's alive you know we are not going to bow our knee to caesar as god because there's only one god and we will worship him and nothing can stop it not even death i will build my church my ecclesia and so for and then an interesting thing happened the thing happened around about 312 AD the soon to be emperor constantine he becomes a christian in fact, he becomes the first emperor to become a Christian, and all of a sudden, is now the, ch- the Christian church is now becomes the the, the religion for the elite, and it, and it gets uh, it becomes the uh, it becomes the only dominant religion, Christianity, and all of a sudden it started to change, and they started to erect these big buildings, these big buildings, and they called these buildings, and it's a German word. They could they called them Kirche. Kirche means house of the Lord. Kersha. See, even my PowerPoints agree with me. Kersha. Oh, I hope they agree with me because I was the one who wrote it. Kersha. The house of the Lord. And this is where we get the word church from. Church comes from the word Kersha. But it's not Ecclesia. It's not Ecclesia because Ecclesia is not a building. You can lock the doors of a Kersha, but you can't lock the doors of an Ecclesia. You can burn down a kersha, but you can't burn down the ecclesia because it's living, it's moving. You can't stop something that's living. You can't stop something that's founded on Jesus. It just keeps going because the Word of God is living, it's breathing, breathing, it's moving, it's the ecclesia. Not even death can stop it. It's unstoppable, and Jesus, Jesus calls out his people to to live under his kingdom, the kingdom of God. So therefore, if you are an ecclesia, if, if you are a people called out, a gathering of people called out for a purpose, so what's your purpose? What's the purpose of the church? The ecclesia. What is the purpose of, what is why the church? And it's really interesting because because Jesus begins to explain this. And 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 I don't know if you know this, but Jesus was Jewish. I don't know if you knew that. He's Jewish. He was a Jew. Okay. Now, yeah, I know some of these are pretty amazed. He's, he wasn't American. He's Jewish. I'm sure if he was American, it'd be fine, but he was, he was Jewish. And um, and you know, Jewish people they're repetition, they were repetition people. And the the most important prayer. In Judaism, it's called the Shema. The Shema is the most important prayer. And they would pray this prayer three times a day. Morning, noon, and at nighttime. And they've been praying the Shema for thousands of years. Thousands of years. In fact, the prophet Daniel was praying the Shema three times. And we read the book of Daniel. He was praying three times. They tried to stop him. But he was praying the Shema three times a day. And Jesus prayed the Shema. Many times he would go away to a place of isolation. He would pray the Shema. And and, and it was the most important prayer. And so Shema means to hear or to listen. And and the the opening lines of the Shema, so Shema is a series of of scriptures in the Bible. And the opening line is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. And so this this is the opening line of the Shema. It goes like this, hear Shema, Shema, O Israel. I was going to say it in, in, in Hebrew just to make me sound more sophisticated, but I find it hard enough to speak English, so <laughs> let alone Hebrew. So I'm just going to stick with English. Shema, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the beginning of the Shema. The most important prayer in Judaism. They're, they're praying it today. And, and what they would, so a, a Jewish person would pray this three times a day. I, I think these days they mainly do it morning and night time. And they'll cover their eyes with their right hand and they begin to recite it, and it was repetitious. And and it wasn't just the fact they said it for for saying it's sake, but to get it in their spirit, to understand it, who they were and how God created them. So it's really interesting how Jesus responded to this teacher of the law who came to Jesus asking him, which is the most important commandment? Because it's really interesting, because every Jew would know, oh, that's easy. The most important commandment is the Shema. This is what we've been commanded to pray, the Shema. And, and so let's take a look at this conversation that Jesus has with the teacher of the law. Found in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And it reads, One of the teachers of the law came and heard, heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. And he said, well, he's, he answered these Pharisees really good, but I'm a teacher of the law, so I'm going to ask him a question. So in true fairy, fairy tale manner, this teacher of the law said this, Of all the commandments, which is the fairest of them all? which is the most important of them all. And at this point, you, you would expect Jesus to recite the Shema. Because every Jewish person knows that the Shema is the most important prayer, the import, most important commandment of them all, is the fairest of them all. So Jesus starts off, and he, and he says this in 29, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, Shema, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So far, so good. Okay, Jesus just Jesus knows what he's talking about. Okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Then Jesus adds this, and with all your mind, he adds that. and he gets back on tracking. And with with all your strength, ah, yes, yes, yes. And then Jesus goes on. The second is this. Well, what do you mean the second is this? You, what, what do you mean the second of this? You gonna add something to the Shema? Where are you going with this, Jesus? And you can imagine the the Jewish audience would have been, what's he talking about? And they would have leant in. What's he going to do? And Jesus does something that no one expected. Jesus grabs this verse from this book in the Bible that is your least favorite book in the whole Bible. This is your least favorite book. He grabs a verse from the book of Leviticus. Who loves reading Leviticus? All the the righteous people lifted up their hands right now. See, I I see all the righteous people. I read Leviticus over the the holidays. It was actually fascinating. But anyway, he grabs this verse from Leviticus and he attaches it to the Shema, the beginning of this. And it's from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which goes like this. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the law. No one had ever done this before. No one had joined these passages together. And this was mind-blowing. Jesus was making a declaration. But you know what? Just to, just to see if you, were, if you were paying attention, he says something that's startling next. This is what he says next. There is no commandment greater than these. Whoa, 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 Jesus. You're you putting this higher than the Shema? What what, what are you talking about here? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. So Jesus, he begins to build on his foundation, the foundation of who he is. I'm inviting a people. I'm calling you out. I'm inviting you to live under my reign. I am the foundation. But you will be a people who not only loves God, but loves your neighbor as yourself. This is the Jesus Creed. The Jesus Creed. You know, I've made a commitment to pray this prayer. The first thing I do when I wake up, I pray this prayer. The Jesus Creed. And the last thing I do before I go to sleep, I pray this prayer. You know, I figured, well, hey, you know, the Jewish people, they they seem to be on a good thing here. And I've also made a commitment that, that during the day, whenever this comes to mind, I will pray this prayer. Can I tell you that these are potent words? They're dangerous. Very dangerous. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a nice idea. Isn't, isn't this a great idea, the, the, the Jesus Creed? Isn't this a nice idea? This is a nice idea, t- to love your neighbor until you've got neighbors like mine. Right? I, I love your neighbor, but you haven't got neighbors like mine. Man, they, they play music loud at night. They have teenagers. They're a nuisance. And oh, oh wait a minute, I'm talking. That's that's our family. Wait, sorry, this is what our neighbour said about us. So I'm like, I'm just it's easy to do. It's love your neighbour. But, but what if they're they're Muslim? What if they're Hindu? What if they're Asian? What's with the Maori? It's a nice idea, but let me tell you something. When you, oh, I'll tell you, you, you when you let these words of Jesus' creed begin to permeate through your being, you begin to see people in a new light. You know, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, "Forgiveness is a nice idea until you have someone to forgive." That's what he says. It's a nice idea. Till you have someone to forgive, but you don't know what they did against me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is this: love your neighbor as yourself. There was no commandments greater than these. You know, I I dropped put off this morning. And I was driving home, and, I was, and, and, you know, and then I said, oh, I'm gonna recite this again. I just felt, the Lord prompt me, I'll recite, and on my way home, there was this car getting, you know, you know when you're driving, and you see a car f- f- far up ahead, and they wanna turn into your lane, and you think, oh yeah, turn now, turn now, there's, there's heaps of distance, and you're getting closer closer, they haven't turned, and they look like they're gonna go, and they're a bit hesitant, right? Just go, 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 and then you get to a point where you okay, don't go now, because obviously I'm there, but then they pull out anyway. Not only do they pull out, and then they, they begin to drive at 40Ks. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about here? Yeah. And I was like, what the? Couldn't you wait? Couldn't you? And I was like, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, you're driving 40Ks? This, this, don't you have heard of the 9K buffer? It's 50Ks, but you drive at 59? <laughs> no, just kidding. I just, just, don't do that. And I'm like, and you know, and I felt like, you know, I'm going to drive behind them. I'm going to be, have this angry look on my face to show them that they were wrong. And then I just, then I realized, wait, what did I just pray? <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, to love your neighbor, including that person that's just pulled out in front of you. <laughs> as yourself, oh man, that was so hard. Uh, You know, I really believe that, I I wanna encourage you to begin to to pray this prayer when you wake up and before you go to sleep. And I want you to, whenever this comes to mind, some of you need to pray this every time you jump in the car. You jump in the car, you declare it, you need to. I'm only a Christian when I'm not driving. I love people when I'm not driving. You need to say this, seriously. But when you do, it changes your heart. Love God, love people. This is the ecclesia. You've been called out by Jesus. I'm calling you out for a purpose. Your purpose is to love the Lord your God and to love people. Love Love your neighbor as yourself. Begin to see people as I see them and as you begin to pray this prayer begins to take hold of your life and, and I was thinking about this I was meditating on this and, um, and I've shared this, this story before and I'm, I felt like I, want, I need to share this again because, because it does change you because God is real because I used to think God is only real in this place but He's not real when I go out there and we sung that song not for, for a minute I was, forsaken, you know, I was not forsaken the Lord is in this place and, and we kind of get stuck in the, the kusha the Lord is only in the kusha in the building. But no, no, the Lord is everywhere. No. He's in, in this place when I'm driving. And, and as that person pulled out, the Lord reminded me that I'm in this place. Yeah. Good. And when, I, when I'm angry at my children, the Lord reminds me that I'm in this place. I'm in my workplace. He's in your, wherever you are, in your place of, of, of education, wherever you are, He's in this place. Yeah. Hear, O Israel. In fact, can you all please stand? I want to ask you, let's declare this together. The Jesus Creed. I'm going to say it first and, and just repeat after I say it. The Jesus Creed. Get this into your spirit, into who you are. And I encourage you, make it your Shema, what you hear, what you listen so repeat after me. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. And with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Give the Lord a hand. He deserves all I praise. Praise God. Have a seat. Sit down. When you get this in your spirit, and I shared this story last year, and it's when I took my daughter out for her birthday at Genji's. And as we were leaving Genji's, um, the kids were happy. I was crying because I just, I just finished paying the check. <laughs> and we come around the corner, and who do we find? We find this. This, this we actually, we heard him before we saw him. His name was Tiffany. And uh, he had just started coming to church. And I was like, "Hey, Tiffany, how's things?" And he goes, "Oh, yeah, good, good. Oh, that's great. We just, because what do you do? Oh, we just finished celebrating my daughter's birthday, and we all." And I said, okay, we're going, and, were, and I was going, okay, kids, jump in the car, let's go, jump in the van, let's go. And I felt the Lord prompt me, I'd say, ask him, ask him where he's staying. And I was going, I don't want to ask him that. So uh, we all jumped in the car and we drove off. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. So, um, so I asked him, I said, where, where are you staying? And he said, "Some st- oh, around. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. All around. That's great. Let's go. I, no, I didn't do that either. I was like, and I was like, because here's the thing: when, when when you make a declaration to love God, love people, yeah. you cannot help but be aware of people around you. Real love serves. That God is real, not just in the Kersha, not just in the building, but God is real when you're leaving Genjis. Yeah. So I said to him. Come jump in. You can stay at our house, and he stayed at our house for about a month, slept on a floor. But I tell you what, you know, you haven't. I have not seen a harder worker in this church than Tiffany. Come on. When you allow the Spirit of God to change you, when you get it into your spirit, love God, love people, you begin to see people in a new light. You know, when you if you're new, if this is your first time here, let me tell you something. When you come to this church you're not going to find a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, perfect church, you've found the wrong one. Okay? If you're looking for a perfect pastor, you've found the wrong one. Like, you know, let me tell you, people, people quite often are surprised to find that I'm the pastor. I'm surprised too, to be honest. <laughs> people walk in, they're looking for the senior pastor. And like, you know, we're here putting sitting up chairs or whatever. I'm not dressed like a pastor. I don't talk like... I don't even know what they're supposed to dress like anyway. I'm like... I never got the memo. Wish I had the memo. <laughs> uh, well, am I supposed to wear white collar? I'm not sure. What, what, what's, the, what's the dress code? Never got that. That's what a real love serves. But you won't find a perfect church. You won't find a perfect... You, you find people make lots of mistakes. But what you, what you will find, you find people who love God, who love people, and you'll find the perfect God.